Hi, friends. Welcome to the second Connected Families podcast of the year 2022. We are into a new year. And I'm your host, Stacey Bellward. Our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. Well, today I'm going to be talking to Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, about the kids that don't seem to care. As parents, seeing that not caring attitude and those behaviors is so difficult for a lot of reasons. I know that Lynn will help us unpack what's going on under the surface and how we as parents can support our kids in their growing wisdom. So welcome to the conversation, Lynn. Good to be here, Stacy. I love doing podcasts with you. We have great conversations and you are the master at helping us parents see our children's behavior from a different lens. And, and really it's often in ways that give us these aha moments, like, oh, I never thought of it that way, but you also give us practical ways to support our kids. So let's get started on this conversation. This is a topic. Sounds good. Yeah. So let's get started on this conversation. Okay, Lynn. Got it. All right. I think that the conversation that we want to have today around kids who just don't seem to care, this is like a topic that hits parents' buttons, isn't it? Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've covered lying before and that one could be about the same, but when we are experiencing kids who act like they don't care, I think it's just one of the hardest things for parents to work with. So talk about why, why is this particularly sensitive for parents? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. For one thing, we're constantly exposed to Facebook overachiever families. You know, everybody posting, love this kid, National Honor Society and captain of the soccer team. No, <laughs> yes. It's like, a, it's like a barrage. And of course, no one ever posts things like, you know, my child really struggles with math, but I just love them so much. You know, what if you seen that one? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, And then there's just our our anxiety about the future. And we'll talk more about that later, but we can catastrophize and extrapolate this one struggle that our child has to just make it be representative of a really dim future in that area. Mm. And I think a third reason is parents just feel overwhelmed. Sometimes it's really tough when a child is passive to know what to do. Sometimes it's a little easier when they're, when they're mad, we can kind of redirect that energy, empathize with it, help them problem solve it. But sometimes the passive, I don't care, can feel almost frightening to a parent. It's like, I don't know what to do about that. And Mm then we panic internally because we don't have a strategy. Oh yeah. We panic internally. I feel that. And you know, the one where you talked about anxious about the future, when you said that, it just makes me think of all the parents, right? You have this little baby in your arms and you just start dreaming so big for them. And you you just dream like, what are they going to do? And then they start to grow and you really do start to see their giftings and their abilities. And you think, oh, you know, they could do this and they could do that. And when you see them passing by maybe those opportunities or just acting like they don't care, it's hard. It's hard for us, isn't it? Because we have big dreams for our kids. Yeah. 
and you know the the basics of of dreaming of a positive future for your child that's not wrong it's a good no. thing it's just when we can't let kind of the specifics of that go in order to just love the child of our reality that's when it becomes counterproductive and it stifles the child instead of empowering them yeah Okay. So what are some of the characteristics of kids that just don't seem to care? Like, what does that look like in our homes? Well, I would say that a, that a key thing is just they devalue the activity. Math is stupid. Or what's the point mm-hmm. of the room? Or we don't need to clean the bathroom more than once a year, mom, you know, stuff like well, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that we don't need to get to school on time. Nobody gets to school on time. Why do we have to go to school on time? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and sometimes kids will become preoccupied with things they're good at, which is a good sign that maybe oh, okay. they're urged about the things that they're not so good at. Another thing is that kids will just get defensive or blame others if they're confronted. So like, oh, my math teacher just doesn't know how to teach math. He's just stupid, you know. And then if we press them harder to perform, they may just withdraw and kind of get passive and sort of fold into themselves. And that's often when parents really start to panic. And if a child really is spiraling with that, they may have even have a hard time getting out of bed. Kind of depends on if they're prone to anxiety or depression, but you may start seeing something sort of like that. Hmm. So if I was to just kind of start painting a picture of what this looks like, like becomes preoccupied with things they're good at. I could see that looking maybe like gaming. They're just all in to gaming, but there's just no effort or time where they just don't care about schoolwork. Right, right, right. And some of that has to do with how kids process dopamine. Dopamine, the brain doubles when kids are on, well, actually young adults, which have more stable systems. So maybe even more true with younger kids, but dopamine doubles when kids are in video games. And there are other activities that require intense concentration. You know, when kids are being responsible, like schoolwork and chores, where the dopamine drops even lower than normal resting. So it can be, you know, sometimes just an issue of that, that marketers know that the more dopamine they can charge through that a child's brain when they're playing that video game, the more addicted they will be. But then unfortunately, there's a big, huge crash after that usually, and it's harder to be even more responsible. So that's why I always tell parents, don't have your child play video games and then ask them to do schoolwork or a chore. It's like, you know, first we'll do this and I can kind of help you and we'll, we'll get it done together. And then you can play a little, whatever, you know? Okay. So get the things done and then game after that. Yeah. Yeah. The the reverse is really hard on a child's brain, especially if they're exhausted from school. Okay. Yeah. And it could be anything really besides just gaming that just came to my mind. Right. But it could just, I guess, age appropriate. It could be all sorts of things, just into Legos and does not want to leave the Legos. It could be just TikTok and going through the videos, just scrolling social media (laughs) where our kids are doing that at an earlier and earlier age. So, and then when you discuss the issue, whatever it might be with them, they could be very defensive about it and then blame other people. It's everyone else's issue. Well, so Lynn, we know there has to be something going on under the surface. Can you help us parents pull that all apart 
Yeah, for sure. Usually when a child doesn't seem to care about something, they're probably not naturally really good at it. Doesn't mean that they have this terrible learning disability, but it's just not an aptitude. You know, for example, if a child is really good at math, then they start to feel successful and that's motivating and it comes easily. And they love maybe the attention that they get at school or whatever. And they, they blossom in that area. Or if they kind of like order and they like to organize things and then mom comes in and goes, oh my, look at your room. It's so awesome. So they tend to get affirmation in their natural areas of ability. So when something is a little harder and they see other kids doing it better, then that's when discouragement tends to set in. And if I fail at something that I consider really important and valuable, then that's a painful gap in my ability. I can't succeed well at this really important thing. So to just sort of keep my heart from feeling just totally defective, I'm just going to go, well, that's not very important anyway. So Mm -hmm. that's where that devaluing the activity comes in as they get discouraged and it's hard. And then if I don't care about it, you know, then, then I don't feel so bad about not doing it well. Mm -hmm. So on one of our podcasts, a story is shared about a parent who said, so what would your goal be for math? And and the child said, um, a a D plus. Well, what parent Make wants every to- parent proud. Yeah. What parent wants to hear that? Yeah. That child was discouraged. That's not an easy thing for me. I just want to get by. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if it was a D plus or a D minus. It might have been a D minus. <laughs> I can't remember, but the point yeah. is the same. So yeah, it's about recognizing, okay, this is hard. There's some discouragement here. But parents can, you know, they can use that to just help very slowly grow in their child a value of resilience and effort and kind of growth mindset and those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, and I would think that, you know, if the child thinks that the easier way out is to not care, then they could have a goal of misbehavior, could they? Or wanting to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to on purpose fail in this area is essentially where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can for sure happen. And it probably happens more when parents put pressure on kids. Mm -hmm. And then the kids are like, I can't do this well. And I feel hurt by the pressure that you're putting on me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to show you. And yeah, Jim even mentioned to, to me once he felt like if he cleaned his room, his parents won and he lost. Mm. It wasn't about to give them that satisfaction. So I'm just going to really let this room get messy and drive you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I can remember a a phase. It was just a phase in our family's life of, of working through academics and grades and kind of the standard, like what were we holding our kids to? And we were holding them to the standard of if you do hard work, like I want to see your effort. So that's all I care about is your effort. And, but it was hard and it was a hard transition for them. And I remember them being a little, yeah, like blaming and they would blame me. No, all you care about is grades. 
you just care about our grades. And we had to kind of hold firm. No, you're kind of, you're labeling that. I'm telling you, I don't care about your grades and we're not going to make a big deal about your grades when they come. We're watching for the effort that you're putting into the test and into the projects. And that's what what we care about because we want to build character right now. Right. Yeah, that's great. They probably needed to hear that over and over again because they did actually cared about their grades, but weren't admitting it is my guess. That is very true. And it was <laughs> shortly after that, that, you know, we, I could give examples. Like I know right now that's when your grades come, see, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, here's your report card. It's not even a really a topic of conversation. So I got to put some behavior behind what I had been saying throughout oh. the semester. See, it's grades true. don't matter to us. I, here's what I'm going to call out with you. Great. So Lynn, what do well-meaning parents do to try to help their kids through this attitude of not seeming to care? Well, it's easy to enter with some judgments about this kid just needs to get it together or they're not trying hard enough or whatever. And entering with those judgments just tends to communicate. I believe you are irresponsible. I believe you you aren't trying. You don't really want to do well. And that can be super discouraging for kids, unfortunately. And then parents, you know, and they're it's like, okay, maybe they don't understand. They should be doing better. They should be working harder. They should be cleaning the room. So then telling kids what they should be doing better. But you know, all that adds discouragement to an already discouraged child. And then when the kids aren't successful, they don't flourish under that. Then parents start to micromanage, kids dig in their heels. You know, the parent can get more desperate and give consequences. And the whole thing can be a spiral of discouragement. Mm. So it all starts with parents who want their kids to succeed, but without understanding really what's going on on the surface, which is usually some form of discouragement and a feeling of inadequacy. Right. Oof. So what can parents do to help their children? What's a better way, Lynn? <laughs> you know, we developed this thing called the Connective Families Framework. The framework, yes. <laughs> and it comes in handy for things like this, of course. Framework, baby. <laughs> that was Jim in the background. Framework, baby. <laughs> Of course, it starts with foundation about releasing your judgments about your child. One of my first formal coaching clients was a dad of a young boy that just had the messiest room. I mean, his drawers were hanging out and stuff was hanging out of his drawers. And the dad had had a brother who just never made it in life, just was Uh, you know, kind of flunked out of school and flunked out of jobs and all the things. And so he had a judgment about his son is this kid. How can this kid succeed in life if he can't close his drawers? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was the judgment that he entered this kid's rooms, this son's room. So you can just see when we start with judgments, it's just like well-intentioned toxicity. And so instead to release those judgments and recognize my child can change a whole lot in the next 20 years. And so the first thing I'm going to do is not press the panic button and to know that my child's brain can mature very well over time if I build positive identity and a value for responsibility in life. To have confidence in that, to have confidence that God is involved and wants to help you teach your child. And I asked one of our 
Connected Family Certified Coaches, just about growth mindset. You know, this thing of, yes, we can learn. And when things are hard, that's when my brain can grow the most. And I want to take on challenges, that whole kind of mindset. There's just a huge body of literature and practical stuff on it. And she said, parents and kids need to have hope, hope that things can be different. And I was like, yes, that's it. So I thought of Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just picture the difference between coming in filled with anxiety and a negative prediction about your child's future versus the having the overflowing with hope because you trust in God and you know that the Holy Spirit will be guiding you to help your child. Wow. I mean, we could just kind of do a mic drop with that scripture <laughs> because it's so powerful when parents enter with a whole different perspective. So for our kids as well, they were not good cleaners when they were young. It was rough, but God spoke to me about that. And we talk about that in the entitlement course, but to just come alongside do it in small doses that wasn't overwhelming, encourage the result, help them look at the, the good impact of the cleaning, make it fun, do all those things and recognize over time, a child that feels discouraged and overwhelmed is probably going to really thrive in the long run under that kind of an approach. Does that all make sense? That's good. We, yeah. we all need more hope in our lives. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's the foundation. I know there's three other levels to the framework. Yeah. There's one more piece of foundation before we move on to those other lovely levels. Okay. <laughs> and that is to discern who owns the problem. Like, for example, if it's your child's room, they essentially own the problem of that because they live in it. Now, we did tell our kids, we own this house and it is our God given right as parents to be able to walk safely to your bed and tuck you in. So therefore, that floor has to be largely free of obstacles when I come to tuck you in at night. And they got that. It was motivated by, and there's no obstacles to my tucking you in. And that's part of my right as a parent it becomes my problem. So, but otherwise it's, it's about your room is your space, but the common space is where we want to open our home to guests, where we want to feel peaceful and connected, our lives to be efficient. So it's a problem if you're leaving your junk in the common space. You see the difference between the two? Who owns the problem? If it's a group problem and I have part of that problem, then I have a say in how it gets solved. If it's your problem, like your grades in math, they are your problems. Whose report card is it? It ain't mine. It's yours. So I'm here to support you, but that's not my problem. So who owns the problem? And then just work on building those values over time, mm -hmm. uh, responsibility and wisdom. So that's kind of that foundation work before you ever approach. And you can see when a parent does work there, all sorts of good things flow out of that. That's what happened with, with the dad who had a son who couldn't close his drawers is he began to prioritize connection. Once he had, he let go of his judgments. And he just went in one day and sat with his child in his messy room and said, hey, do you want to play a game in here? You know, I know your room's kind of a mess, but I just wanted you to know that I love you, even if it is. And they got a board game out and they played a game in the messy room. <laughs> and, you know, surprise, surprise, the child started to keep his room a little cleaner and the dad began to help him a little bit. And it just wasn't an issue anymore just because of that, letting go of the judgments and then seeking real heart connection. 
And that's such a beautiful story of connection. The second Mm -hmm. layer of the framework, he got really creative to do something that would connect with his child and, and to communicate the message. Doesn't matter how your room is. I know in the past I've communicated, it bothered me and probably bothered him pretty deeply, but he'd grown in that area and wanted to communicate a new message to his child. And so I'll bet you he got some of that creativity and strategy from his conversations with God. (laughs) So good. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the third level? Well, the third level is coach. And that really, you know, the, the goal there is if I have a child that's discouraged, my goal is to encourage, to fill with courage. And so we just go back to the basics of affirmation. A parent once said, I'm, I'm working on improving my ABC affirmation skills. My youngest daughter has a full plate this semester with AP classes, marching band, and mountain biking. She always starts the year off strong, but then gets overwhelmed and shuts down. She's aware of it too. I'm letting her know that I recognize all the hard work she's doing while using her time wisely and taking care of herself. My oldest daughter has taken more responsibility with her veterinary volunteer job. She comes home dragging from the physical labor, but smiling. I point out what a hard worker she is on the farm and how good it makes her feel. They both have been more helpful around the house and appreciative of what I do for them. What a great story. So starting with that encouragement and then, you know, just gently asking some questions. Hey, how are you feeling about this? What do you feel good about? What have you been doing well, working hard on? Uh, Is there anything you wish you'd done differently? And then what kind of help would you like from me? Just some questions that help kids to start to be honest, that judgment-free questions that put us as their resource, not their manager. And then the, the final level is just... If it's something that we own the problem together, like messes in the common space, then decide on boundaries or consequences together with a perspective for the child's learning. So in the chores and messes section, in the appendix of the Discipline the Next book, I talk about how when our kids would leave messes, I would call them over and say, okay, this was left out. So I want you to put it away. And then I want you to start to look for other things that need to be put away around here or that need cleaning so that you can begin to develop eyes for keeping a clean home. And they understood that I was for them. I don't ever remember getting arguing or pushback on that because it was like I had built the value of cleanliness. And then the consequence was focused on their learning, not my satisfaction. Mm. That's just an example of you you prepare it ahead of time. You talk about the rules. Clear is kind. They know what to expect. They know why. They know that you are for them, that it's for their good. And then you put in that little extra consequence that's motivating. Well, that's really good. I loved that. Just look around. I'm helping you to have eyes so that you can keep a house when you get older. All three of them are becoming neater than we are (laughs) now, but it took them to get to their late twenties before that we really saw that happening. Yeah. And I know that if you had one of them that didn't have a value of cleanliness in the way that you had. How would you think about that, Lynn? You know, I I wouldn't enjoy sitting in their living room as much if it was a pit, but I would love them absolutely just as much. That's right. (laughs) And I let them know that. That's right. Because we do have a world of different personalities, don't we? Even as adults. Yeah. So, so good. Thanks for laying that out, Lynn. 
we, we love the framework. We put every subject that we deal with through the framework. And so this is what we do here at Connected Families. And I appreciate that. You know, we're going to go to a break right now. And I know we're going to do a role play after the break. And we're definitely going to go through the framework. But the other thing that's, that's going to happen after the break is that we're going to bring Jim Jackson, your husband, in to kind of tell a little bit about his story. And, and then we'll do a role play together and just make this as practical as possible for parents. Sound good, Lynn? Yep, sounds great. All right. Well, hey, everybody, this is Stacy. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed, confused, even guilty in your parenting? Do you want to stop the yelling and fighting? Stop regretting your actions? Stop missing out on the joys of parenthood? Parenting is hard. Well, registration is open for the eight-session online course called Discipline that connects with your child's heart. At Connected Families, we know that parenting is tough and you need help. The problem is that traditional parenting advice isn't working. It's causing anger and damaging your relationship with your child, which makes you feel overwhelmed, guilty, and even ashamed. We believe this can't be what God wants for your family. Thousands of parents have found hope using our simple framework based on biblical principles and brain science. After finishing the course last year, one dad said, I have so much more confidence as a dad and a husband. I always felt my weaknesses and lack of a sense of direction. After taking discipline that connects, I feel like God has provided me with the help I needed. I have a direction to grow forward. I can't tell you how much better your guidance has been than nearly anything else I've ever read or heard about parenting. Are you ready for change? Discipline that connects with your child's heart is designed to tone down the chaos and bring more peace in the home. Register for the course today. When you register, you will receive many bonus materials and extra resources, including live Q&A sessions with Jim and Lynn Jackson. Go to the show notes or connectedfamilies.org for all of the details. I hope you go and register today. All right. Well, we are here and back after the break. Hi, Lynn, and welcome, Jim. Uh, hi, Stacy. It's good to be here. I get I get a chance to nose in and make a little trouble here today, I guess. Oh, I it's, love it. <laughs> we do love it. I hear that you have a story that applies to the conversation that we're having today about kids who don't seem to care. And so um, I'm wondering if you would share with us a little bit about your story from when you were a kid and how that relates to our topic. Oh my goodness. How much time are we supposed to take? <laughs> yeah, you know, take yeah, a couple well, minutes. I'll, I'll do my best to kind of give a, a whirlwind overview, I guess. I mean, my childhood was mostly really great. As far as I can remember, I grew into grade school and I was pretty sharp and did well in the standardized tests and everybody was happy of me and proud of me and, and life came pretty easy. But then as I grew into the upper grades, approaching in middle school and things started to get a little more difficult, you know, boy, I had to do more work outside of school and things started to come a little less easily. And I would, I would rather be off looking for golf balls or playing, you know, outdoors with my friends or, you know, any number of things that weren't homework and weren't, you know, all the things 
And, you know, by middle school, I ran into quite a few struggles, actually. I, I entered middle school with, I was in all accelerated classes as a middle school student. And then I had a particular struggle in mathematics, but, you know, kind of all the classes, as I became more discouraged and as the messages that I was getting were about not trying hard enough and not being good enough and being lazy and, and you know, sort of fear about where this was going to lead in my, it just got all overwhelming and discouraging. And I, you know, I'm, I'm 60 plus years old now. So the, the, the concrete clear memories are gone. But what I generally remember about that period of my life is that the more discouraged I got, the more I resisted efforts to help me that were that were filled with any sort of energy or angst or, or threats, or, you know, I, I just figured out how to stay underground and, and it all discouraged me more. And then I started making, you know, the kind of choices discouraged kids make at that age. Yeah. I just did the things kids do mm-hmm. when they're discouraged. I started using drugs and drinking and finding magazines and hiding and got really good at hiding all the things I was doing and, and grew ever more discouraged. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind kind of the, the fast overview of it all. So yeah, that's the story. What would you like to extract from that? Yeah, well, I'm wondering, you know, as your parents, I'm guessing you had very well-meaning parents who were concerned about you and concerned about the behavior and had dreams and plans for their son and were sad about what was going on. So how did that interaction look? Yeah, well, it looked all kinds of different ways, I think. You know, my dad largely would just get angry if I if came home with a bad report card, which became more and more frequently uh, as I got older. And and so I was a little bit afraid of dad because I wasn't sure what that was about. And when dad got that way, we didn't know what to expect from him sometimes. You know, mom, I think, yeah, she, she rode me pretty good. You know, Jimmy, you got to do this or it's not going to turn out well for you. And you're, you're so much more talented than this. And I know that you've got more ability than this. And so this is just for your good, you know, that I'm going to force this or that or the other sort of thing, or I'm going to take this away or that away. And, you know, but she was kind of largely alone in it. So as I, you know, as I did grow older and, you know, had a little more ego strength and then pretty soon got to be her size or bigger, I was less afraid of her. And I think she got tireder and tireder. So she kind of just eventually, you know, other than a little, a little effort here or there, she kind of let go. And did you, when, when she did talk to you, were you defensive or how did you react? (laughs) Well, I mean, I was kind of a master of, if somebody was engaging me in a way that I didn't like, I was pretty good at responding in ways that would get them off my back as quick as I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes I would say stuff like, I mean, she would, she would say, you know, if you don't get that homework done, you know, you can't do this, that, or the other thing. And I would say, okay. <laughs> and then I would go do whatever I was going to do. Somehow she was satisfied. And then, you know, if she got more energized by that, you know, then I would get more cantankerous and I would get more resistant. And, and I mean, Basically, I don't remember having a very specific thought about this, but I kind of remember generally from time to time just thinking I could wear her out and then she'll leave me alone. Yeah. (laughs) We need to bring some hope to some families that are listening. Like, what is, how do we deal with this? I just want to say a little more about that because the, the sort of the key thing was, is if they were engaging with me in a way that I didn't like. And I didn't like it if somebody was trying to hold me accountable for my life. You know, I would do what I needed to do to get them off my back. 
And especially if I felt like they were doing that as much for their good as for my good, which I often felt. I don't believe it was true looking back. I don't believe it was just purely, you know, my mom, especially, but even my dad needed me to do X, Y, or Z in order for them to be okay. Like they were okay. They had a life, they had fun, they did things, you know, it wasn't perfect. And there was, you know, we have other stories we've written about in different places, but you know, they loved each other and they had each other and they'd gone through some tough stuff. So they were okay. They didn't need me to do stuff in order for them to be okay. They would be happier if I was doing okay. But you know, my mom still to this day says, you know, kiddo, when, when you struggle, I struggle. That's what parents' compassion is about. So, so I didn't give her credit for that. I just felt like I was getting manipulated in order for to win. In order for mom to win, she had to get me to do what she wanted me to do. That's how it yeah. felt. I uh, I think often about, you know, what could my mom especially or dad have done differently in order to in- help me feel more encouraged and less discouraged? Well, that's the question everybody is asking that's listening right now. <laughs> we need some practical tips now to yeah. move into. And, and then we want to role play. What could your mom have done? How could she have interacted with you during that time in a way that would have been helpful for you? Well, first of all, I want to say she probably did some of the things we're about to say, and I missed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I was, you know, I was sort of in this cycle of discouragement and running away and and wanting to be my own person and not, you know, get manipulated by somebody else. You know, I have memory of some encouraging types of efforts, like what I'm about to describe. What I'm about to describe, really, I I was listening to to you record the first part of the podcast and, you know, that (laughs) list of questions that that Lynn went over with you relative to cleaning I mean, what a powerful list of questions. We got to put those on a card and just send it out to people because, you know, if parents could memorize, not just with their brains, but with their hearts, this sort of posture in the questions, I think that would just be so much more helpful, constructive and empowering, ultimately empowering for the kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Questions like, so how are you feeling about this? Mm -hmm. What do you feel good about in your efforts so far? When When does it go better for you than it is right now? What did you do then? How would you like it to go now? Is there anything I can do to help you? What kind of space do you need in order to to get what you think you need here? Yeah, those sorts of questions without this angst about getting Jimmy to do his homework and see it and make sure it's good enough. I think those are life-giving questions. And that doesn't mean necessarily that I would, oh, thank you, mother, for asking such wonderful, helpful questions. (laughs) And I think the important thing, and you talked about this in the first half too, in those questions, it's not just the questions you're asking, but it's, it's the lightness of heart and the releasing of the outcome to the, to the child. I don't need this as a parent in, to go a certain way in order for me to be okay. Figure out how do I make sure my child knows that's true. That's good. Well, can we finish the podcast with a role play? And you kind of did a lot of role playing at the beginning already of sort of the things parents say and the stuff. And I've done some of it now myself. I don't think we need to do the before role play. Let's just do the after one. Sure. Yeah. So Lynn, do you want to be the parent asking those questions? Sure. Well, yeah, here's, but I want to do this role play differently than we normally do. Instead of just off the cuff, I I literally want you to be a parent who's just learning this stuff for the first time. And you've literally got this list of four (laughs) questions in front of you. And and I just, I just, I'm kind of curious because when I do these role plays, I, I, I get into the role and I feel what I believe a teenager would feel if they're, you know, on the zero to 10 spectrum where zero is this child is so responsive and so receiving of every good effort their parent puts in place. And 10 is they're utterly, absolutely resistant. I kind of like to play in the middle there to make it as relatable for as many as possible. So that's where I play it. 
And I'm really curious to feel what it feels like to just have a parent have this set of four questions. And just if, if I keep pushing back, just rest on one of the questions a little bit and give me some space so that I can receive these questions. And so let's, let's not make you a teen. Let's do you like sort of 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth, sixth grader, fifth graders, fifth graders. Yeah. I'll be a fifth grader. So what's the scene? Did you just get my report card? Did you, and you see Mm -hmm. it, you've been on the portal and you see that, that I didn't do what I said I was going to do. Okay. And that your grades are not good. And I just got home and I want to go online and play with my buddies. Hey, mom. Hey, Jimmy. Welcome home. Here, I got a little snack for you. Some cheese and crackers and a little apple. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to go play video games with my friends. Okay. Hold hold, hold. just a minute. Mom, they're waiting. Oh, I know. But if you're going to go play video games, I need to ask you one question. Well, quick. What is it? I was on the portal. We need to talk about some great stuff. Do you want to do it now? Or do you want to do it right after dinner? What? I don't want to do it now. I got to, I, th- my friends are waiting. Okay. Well, so then you want to do it after dinner? Oh, fine. Okay. All right. We'll do it then. <laughs> so I make a tasty dinner that you like so that we don't start off on a bad foot. And then, okay, bud. So, so, so I want to, I want to intervene about that just a minute. Cause as the child in that role play, I'm like, there's like, that's a, that's a little bit of a weight on me right now, but I, but I'm really glad I, that mom didn't just stop my life in order to do this thing. And so I'm going to go do it. And, and I'm going to hope she's going to forget. <laughs> but, but you know what? I, I feel it. And I'm going to be thinking about it now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so there's that space. So now we're after, now it's after dinner and it's, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. time and say more about how dinner went. Yeah. So dinner was fine. And of course I made pizza or spaghetti or something. Mm, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Pepperoni um. and sausage. So, but, so I was on the portal today and, <sighs> oh, I know it's going to be sort of discouraging. Uh, Mom, we, uh, well, you, you said we this was to? the time that you I wanted know. to talk about Okay, it. fine. Yep. Can we just do it fast? All right. All right. So I did see your math grade and I just want to know, how are you? I hate math. You know that. Yeah. It's, I don't even know why they're, they, they use all these letters and they make you use formulas that I'm never going to use. Who, what real people use these formulas? I need to know how to do my money and, mm-hmm. and count stuff at the store. I don't know. I don't need all this stuff. Yeah. So it's frustrating. Sounds like yes. and you don't see the value of it. No. And it sounds like it's hard for you when it went from just, it was all about numbers. So now it's about letters and numbers and all these weird formulas. Yes. Then it got really, really yeah. discouraging to you. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So, so, so can I drop out? <laughs> I wish that I could change that, but you would have to drop out of the grade and do it again next year. <sighs> so I'm guessing that that's not what you want. No, yeah. I don't. I, one, once is enough. Yeah. So in all this tough stuff, what do you feel good about? Either what do you feel good about at math or what do you feel good about <sighs> at there's school? Nothing, and th- there's nothing good to feel, feel good about about math. Nothing. Zero. So on zero is there is not, not one tiny little shred to feel good about at math. No, not and since- 10 is, it is really hard, but occasionally I get something and that feels good. Where are you at? Well, I mean, so, I mean sometimes it, it's, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. So but, sometimes you get it. Okay. Yeah. But, I, but I don't want, I don't want to, I don't like it. Yeah. So if you could wave a magic wand and just be able to just do things differently, have a fresh start in math, what might that look like? I don't know. Well, I don't, what do you mean? Oh. I can't, I mean, it's. I, well, what, what could help that? I would situation? do, I would do math without We can't just letters. pull you out of it. 
Yeah, you're in this situation. Math isn't going to go away. You need it to to go on to the next grade, which I know you want to do. So, what might be helpful? What what could you do differently? I just don't get it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get it either because when I ask you for help, you can't help me. So I don't. I, if I don't know, I don't know. Okay. Well, would it help? So you. you so I was going to ask you what kind of help you'd like from me. It doesn't sound like I. Well, can you learn it and then help me? I would work to learn it if that would, if that would help you. Otherwise, if I can't and I I try and I can't, then we could get somebody that could help you. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just need to not get so frustrated so fast. Mm. I know that when you get frustrated, it makes it much harder for your brain to figure those math equations Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. But it's hard because Math used to be so easy and now mm-hmm. it's not. And mm-hmm. I just don't. I know. Mom, would you sit with me when I tried my homework? Yes, absolutely. And here's what I know. This is really hard, but I think that you're going to, you know, it has the potential for you to learn really pushing through tough stuff. <sighs> that's all I care about. I don't care about your math grade. I hope you don't that, care about my math grade? I hope, Since when? I hope. What I care about is you putting your heart into doing what you can to get through this tough situation. I'll try. Okay. All right. And I'll do what I can to help you. Okay. Well done, Jim and Lynn. Another great role play. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. Cause I, you know, I'm, I get in that role and I literally, I'm like, okay. His blood pressure's I'm, going up. It is. I'm like, I remember that feeling. Yeah. And I remember I, feeling so helpless and so lost. And I mean, I, I recognize not every child had the issue that I had as a youngster, but I know that kids can be so resistant because they just feel so helpless and hopeless when they get stuck this way. And it's yeah. not about not caring. It's about feeling ashamed. And the discouragement to just, yeah, when it does come so hard. It's just so difficult. Yeah. There's so much at stake for a topic. And, but I really loved how Lynn used the questions. How are you feeling about this? What do you feel good about? What do you feel good about? What do you wish you had done differently? And then what kind of help would you like from me? Such good questions. You were really persistent, Lynn, in staying with, and I really like this as a parenting approach, staying with the present and solutions. It wasn't, you know, if you don't do it, then this will happen. And you yeah. know, all that other pressure that kids start to feel in third and fourth and fifth grade. It was just about here and now and about the struggle you're having and how can I enter it with you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what these questions help parents do. And then you kind of kept, you just kept going back to them. Not wrote, like not the right. same exact words, but wait, you, wait, I'm on question number three. Don't take me on a tangent. Right. But you just <laughs> kind of recirculated those ideas. You know, yeah. how are you feeling? Those are hard feelings. Yeah. yeah. What do you feel good about? It was hard for me to find anything. Mm-hmm. There was an opportunity and I want to point it out. Um, you, you almost had me at, well, what do you feel good about, about math or about something else? And then I went back to math and you let me go there. And I might've even invited you as a parent coach to go, no, no, sure. no, go with the other thing. Yeah. Find a bright spot somewhere, even if it isn't math right now. And mm-hmm. let's just dwell on that so that there's some good feelings about something other than math right now, because it's just so hard for him in math. And we did that when we helped a, a child that was struggling with school stuff. We said, you know, 
let, let's talk about the subjects where you're doing well and you enjoy them. And that's where we started. Yep. Tell yep. us more about that. Yep. That's where we started. You're, you are called incapable. It's the third mm-hmm. level of our framework to really call that out in our kids. And, and I remember, you know, we had this conversation in our house too, with our kids. It's mm-hmm. okay to not be great at math. It was a struggle for me, your mom. I don't like math to this day. And so I get right. you, <laughs> I completely get you. And it, if it was up to me, you wouldn't even have to do math. I remember saying that to my kids <laughs> in our conversation, there was a lot of emphasis around, well, what kind of help would you like from me? I will do anything. I'll pull out the stops for you because I realize that this subject is so hard. And so then instead of a me versus you, it was, I want to come alongside you and really help you with whatever you need to be successful. And that does not mean you're going to get a B. It's what, you know, it's, we're just going to work at this and do the best we can at this. And we're not going to say what success is or is not. Well, Jim and Lynn, thanks so much for this conversation. I think that we've really given parents tools, parents that are having kids in their home that might be acting like they don't care about certain topics. And I appreciate your perspective in helping us parents have perspective to pull that apart and look underneath the surface and, and understand what's going on and then know how to deal with it. And these, well, first of all, the framework, and then these four questions are just really solid tools that parents can take today. Do either one of you have any final thoughts? My thought is, as I'm thinking about how parents might be feeling at a time like this, is that, you know, these are, these are new ideas. Just give them a whirl, see where it lands, see what you learn. I think we are so urgent all the time to get an immediate result. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I think my mom actually did a lot of this kind of stuff with me. And it still had the result of me feeling discouraged and not doing well in math. Turns out there were some issues that we learned about later that were standing in the way of me doing good math in terms of how my brain works. So, you know, but the bottom line is, is, is if we keep loving on our kids and don't make all the efforts that we put into this be about our well-being, then our brains work better as we go about asking the questions in a way that doesn't need the help to work, but just wants the help to be present. And I can think of a lot of things that your folks did well in that time as well, of just continuing to enjoy you and encourage you in things that that you were good at, so that when you move beyond needing to take math classes, you could begin to thrive in life. Yeah, the fifth time. <laughs> Fifth time you took math. Full disclosure. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. Uh, that math class that I first started to struggle in in seventh grade, I retook three more times after that. <laughs> With the same book. Same book. Before a college oh, professor oh. finally graciously passed him. <laughs> passing grade, yeah. 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 Well, I'm with you, Jim. I don't know why there's letters in math. It's just beyond me. I don't get that at all. English class. And and then then there's all those other symbols that aren't numbers. Which direction is that thing going? Forget about it. That's right. Well, Jim and Lynn, (laughs) thanks for today. Thanks for all that you gave for the parents in the community here at Connected Families. Our pleasure always. Thank you, Stacey. We want to hear from you. What did you find helpful from today's episode? Let us know by sharing a comment and please subscribe and leave us a review so other families can find us and learn how to parent with peace and connection. For more information, go to connectedfamilies.org.